like uh, people think there's no crime right now, but there that's nothing could be further from the truth. I think that I think it's an enhanced amount of maybe it's an enhanced quality of crime, an enhanced quality. You know what I mean? Crim- criminal enhancement. Uh, yeah. Yeah, from the smallest room in New York City comes a show that gives you a reason to live. Many stories happening. This is not a time of no crime in New York City. It's a time of of crime enhancement. Joining me is Seth Barron. Hey, Sharon. Hey, uh, Sharon. Seth, how you doing? Hey, Sharon. <laughs> Seth. Hey. Uh, uh, you know what? Uh, we are uh, debating whether or not we should uh, have a race to 300 pounds here during the lockdown. Uh, and uh, I, I haven't... So far, I don't see a downside. I mean, it might be interesting to weigh 300 pounds, and it would be fun to do it as a competition, like who can get there first. And then you were suggesting that maybe once we got there, like regardless of who gets there first, you know, it would kind of be like a gentleman's competition. Mm -hmm. But then you thought we could do fat guy stuff together, and I was trying to figure out like what that involves. Like what? What? What, yeah. are, what are fat guy activities? Well, I mean, one thing we'd have to do uh, is go buy some pants. <laughs> yes, because we certainly would have outgrown our pants. Right. So, uh, and, and we would buy pants that were like you know f- more flexible. You know, like, uh, like sweatpants. I was thinking more like Sansa belts. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That, I've owned a few good. pairs of Sansa belts before. Those are nice pants. I've never had. They any. really are. What's so great about them? Do uh, they have an elastic waistband or something? Yeah, well, they, you know, they they are made to not be worn with a belt. I mean, that's that'd be great. It's the whole idea. Okay, well, we can do that. There's no belt ever. But you, then you were saying to me about corn dogs. Oh well, yeah, Grace Papaya always has corn dogs, and I didn't even you know, know that. they're sometimes they're they're sometimes they're still frozen in the in the center, mm. and when that happens. You could generally get them to make you a second one for free. Oh, nice! But you like, have to kind of like be cool about it. Have you? Is that? Suppose you've already eaten most of it. They'll still do it. Right. You have to eat a certain amount of frozen corn dog in order to get the free one. But <laughs> you have to at least you have to at least hit the frozen corn dog, the frozen part. We'll figure it out. There's, I mean, like I think that there's no end of stuff. Like I, we could take up bowling. Oh, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, yeah. Do you bowl at all? It's funny you mention that. Uh, when I was like about 15, I got super into bowling just by myself. And I would go and I kept scrupulous track of my um, my scores. And so I knew exactly what my average was and what my high scores were. I think I see why you were going alone. <laughs> Yeah. Um, guess what my high score was, which I achieved twice. Uh, 210. 213. Wow. Okay, great. That's a hell of a score. I mean, that that's uh, quite good. You'd have to have a lot of strikes and a lot of spares. You'd yeah. have to pretty much close out every frame, right? Yeah, basically. I mean, nowadays, I think if I went bowling, I would probably... Um, I don't even know if I would break a hundred. Last few times I've gone, I've done really poorly. Yeah, I, I mean, breaking a hundred is kind of the, that's the low water mark. You don't want to dip beyond, and and uh, yeah, there's a certain amount of shame in that. But the ball, the ball weight is also another thing. You well, know, like, like it's obviously more comfortable to just wing, to just wing like a like a like a, a seven pounder. pounder. Yeah. Oh, a, t- a t- ten pounder. Here's my problem: is that I have very large hands. 
but I'm really weak. So my fingers <laughs> are big. So yes, they fit nicely into the 16 pounders, but I can't lift it. And then the smaller balls, like the 10 pounders or whatever, the holes, you know, like the, the ladies' balls, the holes are too small for my fingers. So I'm kind of in a, um, yeah. I'm kind of in a bind. It's hard to find. So what, what, yeah, what you need is the ball of a teenage girl with finger holes that are that are man sized. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they don't really have them. Yeah, I never went and got my own ball made. Well, yeah, going and having your own ball made is definitely next level. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, that, that's that'll be first on the list when we're both fat guys. Great new new bowling ball. A man with a violent criminal record lost his chance at coronavirus mercy when he tried to rob a bank right here in Manhattan. Forty-one-year-old James Little on parole for a 1995 murder and recently freed on charges of assaulting his girlfriend uh, over fears he might contract a cover coronavirus in jail. So I guess he violated parole by assaulting his girlfriend and then uh, was was put back behind bars uh, the other day. He tried to rob a bank near Union Square. Uh, he, he, yeah, he walked into an uh, Apple bank on 4 Irving Place. Yep. Slipped a note to the teller and said, I need money. Now, I don't know that that's an attempted robbery. It seems as if it's just a, just letting her know, you know, like, sure, I need some money. I, you know, I, 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 we all need money, you know. Well, that's what uh, the guy's like saying. Who, I need um, oxygen. That's what the guys who tried to rob Bernard Getz said. They were just like, hey, do you have $5? Yeah. They, they said, they said, uh, give us, give me $5. Didn't they, weren't they like, you got five dollars. They said, "They said, give me five dollars." Oh, did they? It was a. It was a, yeah. I, I remember that specifically because I was like, I remember trying to parse out whether or not "give me five dollars" is an attempted robbery. He gets shot for nothing. Police say the boys were armed with sharpened screwdrivers. One brother wearing a mask because he was afraid of so-called police reprisals told me his brother did carry a screwdriver for protection on the subways, but he said the request for money was a request and not a threat. Brother said that he asked the man for $5. They kept asking the man and the man got scared. He was scared of them because all the two, all the three kids kept looking at him while Troy was acting. He didn't try to rob the man. Try to rob him. He wanted to play the video games because they was going to 34th to play video games. They didn't have no money. He had to hop the train, and, and Troy didn't want to get no ticket because all he did, he got a penalty larceny case. That's all. I, I, you know what? If you walk into a bank, you know your motive could be anything. You walk up to a guy, you know, and say that. I think it's definitely an attempted robbery. <laughs> Well, I think that you go to I mean, if the bank, guy would have said, "Give me the money," he didn't say, "I get you know, give me the money." He decided, "I need money." Suppose you went into the bank and you filled out a withdrawal slip. You yeah. put like fifty thousand dollars, and you just left account number and name blank, or you wrote like not applicable, um, right, right. and then just handed it to the teller and just stood there. Would that mm -hmm. would that count? You know, be? if you're not pointing a weapon yeah. at her, I, I, I think that the, the worst she could do would be call over the uh, supervisor. Call over the manager. Yeah. But, uh, 
Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's a, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on here, uh, but uh, no cops. What if your name was, what if your last name was Money? That's a common last name. There's some people with the last name. And, Money. First name and what if your f- was. Anyway, the teller wouldn't take the note and uh, Little fled empty handed, arrested a short time later, charged with attempted robbery, and uh, he's being eyed in bank robberies now uh, with a couple of. Uh, a, thousand dollar bank robberies a couple of them uh, taken from capital one branches in midtown maybe he it was a couple of let's well, see it was december 26th and january 23rd that was right around the time that our favorite bank robber was knocking over banks too i wonder if uh that who's our favorite i wonder bank if uh, well the guy who who robbed four banks was arrested and then released on oh, the yeah. uh, bail reform right early right. in the year yeah uh, I think uh, the timeline roughly matches. Anyway, his lawyer wouldn't comment. He was 16 years old when he killed a man in Brooklyn back in 95, pleaded guilty to second-degree murder. He got seven to life, and he won parole in 2016. So, so wait, wait, you're telling me this guy, okay, he committed a murder when he was 16 in 1995. Yeah. So he was, so he's probably, he's just like, he's old. He's 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 a millennial who's already spent like sixteen years in prison or twenty years in prison or whatever. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. Is there a worse person? Well, wait a second. If he was sixteen and ninety-five, is that is that that's on the lower end of millennial, isn't it? Well, so he was born in yeah, so he was born in seventy-nine. So he could be just like forty now. Oh no, he he is he is forty. He's turning forty-one. Pretty well institutionalized at this point, too, you know, having spent you know, the majority of his life in prison, uh, 21 years. It's a pretty long time. Seven to life. Seven. I mean, he had seven years to life and he still got, didn't get out for 21 years. I mean, that's, uh, he, he must've Jeez. fucked up a few parole hearings. Uh, I mean, it is murder. It's not like they're going to like, you know, spring a guy in his very first try, you know, and, uh, well, I mean, that's them, a big thing to do. That's a big range. They'll give indeterminate sentences like that to young guys. Like the idea being like, well, all right, you've got a shot to get out in seven years if you turn yourself around. Um, yeah. Or you could just stay in for the rest of your life. This is to life. Yeah. I mean, we could extend this forever. And, and you're saying he has a girlfriend now? Yeah. Isn't that great? Uh, so he has, you know, he has succeeded in that way. He got himself a girlfriend. Uh, unfortunately, thanks to her, uh, he's back in jail, though. Uh, or he, you know, he was he, not. It's a bank robbery officially, but I mean, uh, he violated his parole by beating her up, and um, mm. you know, and if it wasn't for her, if it wasn't for her, he couldn't, he wouldn't have done that. You know, I mean, that's now, empirically true. Now, explain again how how long was he in prison for? Uh, he was in prison until 2016, so 21 years. I wonder what it's like if you you haven't really dated any women since you were 16 or so. And now you're okay. Like wait, wait. Forty. I don't know. Yeah, and and, and dating has changed a, a bit. Uh, but you know something? Now that I'm looking at this, this is the daily news. Okay, so I'm not entirely sure now because because it, it's you know the, the 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 daily news is dodgy, and so what they said is Little was 16 years old when he killed a man in Brooklyn, January 11th, 1995. He pleaded guilty to second degree murder. And was sentenced to seven years to life. 
he might not have even been arrested at that time. I mean, it might have been more of a, a, you know, what, two or three years down the line and somebody said something or it could have been a real cold case. Yeah. I mean, we don't know for a fact when he was convicted or how long he spent in prison. All right. What's his name again? I'm going to look him up. Oh, his name is uh, it's Little something Little. It's uh, James Little. James Little. Forty one on parole for a 1995 murder. Yeah, I mean, you, you'll be able to determine this. Oh, that's great. You've got, uh, you've got, you've got uh, press tools. I need to download press tools. No, no, I'm just going to go to the New York State inmate lookup. Okay, inmate lookup. Well, while you do that, I will fill people in on some other facts here. Please. Uh, police and prosecutors have successfully argued against the coronavirus release of a number of prisoners. Excuse me, who are charged with violent felonies, including murder. A two-time felon was released last month. A 29-year-old. Daniel Vargas, and he was back behind bars after allegedly beating and robbing a Bronx man who walked with a cane. Well, what's he doing walking with a cane? Mm. Jesus. He was he was due for a beating. And then uh, 25-year-old Daryl Nazer, he was a, a freed suspect. He's a career thief. And he broke into a closed newsstand on West 34th Street, which is... Still against the law at, at the time of this recording. He was released Wednesday without bail, uh, arrested again on drug charges. They, you can only conclude that, you know, they want to return to jail. That's the only thing I can conclude because it's so it, it, it's happened now in, in several of these cases. And they have to know it's coming. I mean, like yeah. they, it, they they don't they don't fear it, I guess. And so there they go. So fine with me. I don't uh, I don't mind. They should be thrown back in jail. But it, it it does make a strong case against releasing them to begin with, especially when they come out and beat a guy up with a cane for Christ's sake. The um, guy, you know what the guy needed? You know what the guy could have been could have used right then? What a sword cane. Oh. Uh, that would have come in handy for him. Yeah, absolutely. So it says here James Little uh, went to uh, prison um, starting in 97, but he was released in 2016 on parole. So he's been out yeah, for right. a while. But he did yeah, spend so he, like he did 19 years. 19 years. Yeah, so that's a little less than I had thought. I guess I should have known a, a trial may may take a couple of years. Uh, so he he was in there for a while. He was released in 2016, but then he was uh, he violated parole. And when they let him out after after you know the coronavirus came along, he uh, robbed a bank. Robbed tried a bank. to rob a bank. He went he went down there saying he needed money. Do you think that they should? Do you think they should put him back in jail now, or should they? Because some people are saying that um, it's inhumane to put people in jail. Uh, when there's coronavirus, well, I, I, I'm not sure I understand it because if if it's if it's inhumane to put them in jail, then it it, it should be inhumane for us to remain, uh, you know, sequestered in our own homes, right? And that's pretty much a nationwide thing. No, no, no. That's I not mean, it's point. obviously but no because the point is is that sequestered in our own homes, we're safe from being infected. But if you're in jail. Well, we don't very, know that, though. I mean, there's a high you know, likelihood that you'll be infected. But people with families who have, you know, kids who go out or anything like that, or if they have teenagers they can't control, which, you know, that's that's why I think it's hitting the the uh, African-American community 
as hard as they're saying that it is because, you know, they with one parent and, and there are this is fact, you know, a, a lot of single parent households in that community, then they they have less supervision and they have, uh, you know, they, they tend to, you know, do as they please a little bit more when it comes to, you know, coming and going. That's that's my take on it. They must yeah, but aren't most bringing it home. Isn't it usually better to have a single, just like have a single, usually like a single mom like works really hard and does everything she can to um, provide. That's true. She does. She works very hard and she and she does everything she can to provide. But, uh, you know, she while she's doing that, uh, they're going to go and uh, uh, have a little more freedom, you know. Oh. And I know what I would have done with more freedom as a teenager. You know, I, I probably would have gone and, uh, you know, drank uh, 40s and, and uh, you know, sang songs with my friends and stuff. Yeah, I definitely would have done that. Uh, at any rate, look, I don't think it's inhumane to lock people up and uh, keep them locked up. I think it's inhumane to let them out, in fact. Well, because it's, uh, you may be onto something. I, I mean, we're humans too, right? <laughs> Last I checked. What's that? Oh, yes, yes. There's there's some people who, who you see now who are homeless, but they're not just homeless. They're homeless and they look like uh, they're, they're scoping everything out. And uh, it's like they're casing the joint, but all of New York City is the joint. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, uh, whatever. I, I have you seen a, have you seen a, a different brand of uh, sort of uh, I, I, I have, aimless drifter? I really haven't been going out that much. Although I will say, you know, I mean, I've talked about this before. Is the story over in Washington Square Park, northwest corner of Washington Square Park, what my wife calls crack, yeah, the cr- crack corner or crack corridor? Oh yes, crack corridor. Yes. Well. I was over there the other day, and there's maybe like 15 or 20 of them over there, like guys selling drugs. And I mean, they're not really practicing social distancing very, um, they're not very avid well, they're, social distancers. They're not, they're not necessarily being scrupulous about the social distancing, but they are right to be there. They are an essential business, you know. I mean, they, well, you know they what? Can... I, I did see, I, I guess, where was it? I was reading some, I mean, this was some extreme left wing, like, san francisco online magazine and it was saying it when all of the quarantine stuff started they said you know we're gonna have to think about very seriously how are people who are addicted to drugs gonna get their drugs so they were saying this is now is the time when we really have to um think seriously about not just legalizing drugs but providing them to people from the government because otherwise we're not going to have an orderly lockdown because oh, you're going wow. to have people a... who need to get drugs. They're not going to stay where they're supposed to stay. So what do you It's do? always entertaining when they when they use logic, a form of logic, to get to the place they're trying to go. Which is where they were before anyway. I mean, that's. I think we talked about this last time, but it's funny because all these people, like, okay, Elon Omar, she keeps saying, okay, now that we're in this position and the economy's really bad, we need to get rid of all student debt. We need to freeze rents or suspend rental payments. We need to have maximum like free health care, and we have to give money to everybody, including illegal aliens. But that's the same stuff she was saying before all of this happened. Like, <laughs> right? Why is it that shouldn't a major crisis at least change your solutions? If you have the same solutions before and after, it kind of sort of makes you wonder if. If maybe you have like a ideological basis for your 
you know, for your assertions. Well, it's not all necessarily supposed to make the country a, a better place, but I, I does. You have to wonder, like, what uh, each one of those things does a different thing. Like legalizing drugs is. I mean, the I got. I don't know. I don't know whose vote you're trying to get in that situation. So there's not even like a good political kind of a, a sub-motive there. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, here's an, this is funny that we, that we brought this up. Um, de Blasio gave a press conference the other day, and he was talking about, finally he's gotten around to running the numbers on uh, the racial breakdown of coronavirus-related deaths in New York City. Because people have been really agitating to get these numbers, like what is the breakdown? What is the breakdown? Um, okay, so so he lists it, and things were actually surprisingly not that out of line against the demographic breakdown. So it's like Hispanics are thirty four percent of all deaths and thirty one percent of the population, roughly. And he's like, and blacks are twenty eight percent of all deaths and twenty four percent of the population, and whites are like twenty. Eight percent of the deaths and thirty-two percent of the population. Mm, that's interesting. And actually, the the only one that was really striking was Asians were seven percent of the deaths, but fifteen percent of the population. So Asians are doing something right. <laughs> so to me, it wow. seemed like. Well, and then all the reporters just kept saying, "This is just like," and he kept talking about, "This is such evidence of deep." entrenched racial inequality and the, all the like bad health and like you just say the history of American racism. Okay. So this one reporter, this guy, I'm not going to name him, but he works for Bloomberg, kind of an older guy. And he starts out saying, well, these disparities don't actually sound that extreme. It, like this doesn't sound like, like major disparities. And I was thinking, oh, wow. So this guy's kind of sensible. And then he follows that up by saying, but we know that New York City is fraught with racism. So given that, how can we trust these numbers? <laughs> wow. These numbers must be wrong because they don't wow. they don't actually demonstrate very much racism. Wow. Um that just seemed like the ultimate mind fuck. Or this guy's this guy's well meaning that this guy's mind is fucked. That's not an uncommon sort of uh workaround when things don't work out because uh, I've seen that before. As I'm sure you have, like in in, in arguments or conversations about these things, that um, I, I've had had people tell me, oh well, we, I I don't trust the FBI's numbers, you know, when it comes to crime and stuff like that. They think that they're completely uh, invented. I thought what the guy was trying to do was just to get the mayor to assert why, you know, to to let him explain why it actually is a big market difference you know what i mean to uh, in demonstrating the entrenched racism but uh you know just so so that the reporter wouldn't have to do it himself he could he could have go ahead and have the mayor justify why four percent is such a oh i see it, 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 it's yeah a departure from reality uh, uh now here's something interesting you i don't know if you caught any of uh governor cuomo's um press deals you know but he was i, I don't know if he's still doing them but he had been doing them every day um yeah, yeah this is uh this is him during uh during one of those okay yep number of deaths is up that's the bad news it's forty four thousand one hundred and fifty nine so you heard that right um yeah how many how many deaths did he say um, well, actually, it's hard. Let's hear it again. It's, yeah. Number of deaths is up. That's the bad news. It's 44,159. This was uh, last week. He said that. Okay. So, yeah, 44,159. He said, said 4,159. But listen to it. 
listen to what he says. It's forty four thousand one hundred and fifty nine. Well, I, I think I think you're just. I think he started to say forty, but then he corrected himself to say four. Yeah, but he didn't make a very. He didn't. He certainly did, he didn't verbalize any correction there. It's forty four thousand one hundred and fifty nine. <laughs> I just say. Uh, okay. Okay. I see your point. It's a, he, you think yeah, you uh, want to be very precise with how you're saying the numbers. Yeah. Okay. That that's what I mean. Yeah. Well, especially yeah on on television live. Uh, a suspect in the fatal stabbing of a female at 333 3rd Avenue is perched on the ledge of a three. Well, he's not right now, but in the photo, he is perched on the ledge of 363 3rd Avenue on uh, Thursday. It or was, in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, in Manhattan, while police surround oh. the building. Yeah, uh, wow. a health and wellness expert uh, was running for her life from her knife-wielding lover was stabbed to death inside a Manhattan wine shop on 3rd Avenue oh, near wow. East 25th after breaking off their engagement. Police and a friend of the victim said... Oh, here we go. Health guru stabbed dead inside NYC wine shop. Oh, my God. Wait. Holistic health guru. Yeah. Oh, no. The woman. Holistic wellness guru Gabrielle Gottlieb was killed. Caught and brutally slain at a Manhattan wine shop. Uh, shortly after removing her engagement ring and breaking off their mercurial romance. Wow. Are you reading from the Post or the Daily News? I'm looking at the Daily News here, but oh, okay. um, I think this is right over by where I... Um, yeah, okay, so keep going. I, I, I'm liking this. I'm liking this. Yeah, the guy says, you'll be punished for this. And uh, he's described as a deranged and freshly spurned John Foster. A freshly spurned, deranged man, mm. not safe with a, with a sharp object. No. Definitely not. He, uh, he, he warned her that, he, that she would be punished before uh, bursting into the shop and plunging a knife into the terrified 64-year-old victim's chest. Uh, this guy wanted to... Marry a sixty-four-year-old woman. He is deranged. Well, he's also kind of old. If you see the oh, picture, this guy. Of her, she she doesn't look that old. They do hold up, don't they? He's sixty-three. He's sixty-three. Jensen Fury. Yeah, he's a martial arts expert. He went by the name Jensen Fury. <laughs> he entered their doomed relationship with nine arrests. He, he leaves it with he leaves it with ten. I think I know her friend. She was an incredibly accomplished woman who had terrible taste in men, Gottlieb's friend of four decades, Judy Jackson, told the Daily News. Because I know a woman named Judy Jackson who is about that age, who is into like um, new agey types, who would have a friend like that. Yeah, a woman with bad taste in men. It kind of all holds together. Yeah, how strange. Even though he had this history, she felt that she could help him, said Jackson. She believed in him when he minimized and diminished his past. Of course he's going to minimize and diminish his past. I mean, that's... Uh, well, you know what? A lot of um, women go for the bad boys. Yeah, they do. They like that. I wonder, see, he was arrested uh, on drug offenses primarily. So, you know, I mean, like five five of those were for drug uh, possession, one for drug peddling. So that's that leaves what three arrests that were you know that are mystery arrests that we're not hearing about. Mm. He approached her at a spirituality workshop, nice. and after three months, they got engaged. That's so sweet. Yeah, very good looking man, according to Jackson. Very good looking man, in incredible shape. Jensen Fury. Uh, he uh, paid her a lot of attention. I'm looking at her, and um, uh, it developed very quickly. That's you know what I bet 
Yeah, I think I know people who would know this woman because she went to this acupuncture school with this friend of mine. Oh, Judy. Okay, here's Judy Jackson. Let me see if this is the woman I know. Yeah, this is her. So I do okay. know um, Judy Jackson. And I used to kind of uh, have more acquaintances in this sort of new agey type world. And Oh, really? Yeah. So I may, I, I may have even met Gabriel Gottlieb. But we're not, um, we're not Gabrielle. Facebook. Yeah, we're not Facebook friends. Okay, Judy Jackson on Facebook. Judy Jackson, this woman that I know. I mean, I haven't seen her in years. Uh-huh. Yeah, is she posting about this? Yeah, she says it is with yes. a very heavy heart posting this about my closest friend of over forty years, Gabriel Gottlieb. I had warned her that John was dangerous and to be very careful. Tonight, she broke off their engagement and left the apartment. She called distraught saying that there was no need to involve the police, though. He followed her outside. Her last words to me were that she was okay. I told her to get away from him immediately. Worried when she did not reply to a text, then phoned and an officer called back. I wish this piece of shit had jumped, because then he was standing on a roof threatening to jump off. Yes, that's that's where we started from. He was uh, standing at the on the rooftop. It, it looks like he's on a, lo- a lower roof, though. Um, I don't know how many stories up. Perched on the ledge of 363 3rd Avenue, uh, quarter to midnight. Yeah, this guy is, uh, you know, he's stabbed her to death. Yeah, he's, he's really bad news. He's really bad news. Yeah, Jensen, Jensen Fury, ladies, he's good looking, in great shape, but don't go there when they let him out without no. bail. Yeah, uh, he he became dist- <laughs> she became disturbed. Uh, Gottlieb did over his volatile temperament, but invited Foster to stay with her during the coronavirus pandemic. Worried he would become infected. She's trying to secure a sex partner throughout. You know, right. things only got worse. Uh, worse with them stuck in tight quarters together. This is interesting. She'd I'm like a- you to think he was stuck in tight quarters. Go ahead. So I'm looking at Judy Jackson's website, and it's called Full Force Forensics. Psychiatry and Psychology in the Courts and Culture. She actually sounds like she'd be a very good guest on your show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, She researches and writes about medical jurisprudence. FFF, Full Force Forensics, provides a platform for expertise on historical and contemporary court cases where psychiatric or psychological testimony has been introduced. Her focus is on criminal insanity as a legal defense. Beginning in the 19th century, its current use in the courts and how expert testimony impacts fact-finders. Now, this is interesting. Suppose Jensen Fury hires her to be an expert witness for his case, and she is forced to do it because of her ethics. And so then she has to, even though he murdered her best friend, basically while she was on the phone with her, she is now compelled... Yeah, to take up his case, and um, and then maybe they start dating. Maybe <laughs> the whole thing was sort of you know about that for her. I don't know Judy Jackson. I, I I don't know her morality, but but I would say that her ethics would most likely uh, force her to recuse herself in in the real world, and uh, she would not be able to to take that case. I, and 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 I don't think that. Uh, an expert witness, they don't have the same ethics as like, you know, I mean, it sounds bad, but as attorneys, you know, attorneys are, are, you know, they have to, if they defend somebody, they have to really try to like get them off. Even if they, even if they're obviously guilty. Right. Uh, Gottlieb uh, wasn't on the uh, NYPD's radar because cops never had been called about the couple. 
is the kill is the victim. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, she, but yeah, she yeah. wasn't on the uh, mm. on the radar because cops never been called about the couple whose relationship had never turned violent before. So this is not. It's not always the ones who have a pattern, you know, of doing it, which is too bad. It would be easier that way. Judy was an early adapter in bringing yoga to forensic facilities and is a pioneer in the field of utilizing sound healing modalities for such settings. Now, when she says utilizing sound healing modalities, I don't know if that means yeah, utilizing well, well tried ones and stuff, so things that obviously work. No, I think, I think it means like sound as in like sonic vibrations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I, it's isn't it funny that I knew I, I I've met this woman and I I knew right away that this was the woman. Well, yeah, I mean that's her name, and she was about that age, and 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 of course because of the holistic connection, she's kooky, you know. Yeah. What, what exactly is the what what does she do with sound exactly? I don't know. Oh, okay. Uh, so she also, this Jackson, had given, she's a big part of the story, apparently. You know, I mean, she was, uh, uh, you know, 40 years uh, friends with, with Gabrielle Gottlieb. And uh, she gave her a safe word in case things got dangerous living with Jens and Fury. And the safe word was High Sierra. So, so a safe word there. Call up and just say, uh, hi, Sierra. I mean, how do you, how would you, how do you work that into a I guess sentence? Like, I guess you just call and say hi. Oh, we were just watching Hi, Sierra. Isn't that a movie? Yeah, and the guy's like, hey, no, he wasn't. I'm going to kick your ass for saying that. Or, oh, I'm just upgrading my Mac OS to Hi, Sierra, which is like the late. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, yeah. Or but she never had a chance to use it. She might have been screaming that out in the wine store. I don't really know. But she was on the breaking point because of his volatility. That's the problem with, with shacking up with somebody is you think like, well, if it doesn't work out, we'll just, you know, whatever. Somebody, she'll just move out. I have the lease here and you'll just move out. It won't be a problem. But it is a problem. I mean, because you're not only breaking up with somebody, you are making them homeless, you know, and, and it's going to be done in a moment of uh, of anger, fighting, you know, it, it's it's not going to be usually a very well thought out reasoned thing. Uh, so, you know, it, it really does create a dangerous situation. I, I think that's why uh, maybe living together before marriage in, in some cities isn't such a good idea. I would say that living together before marriage just might never be a good idea. Yeah. Maybe. Have you done a lot Maybe. of them? Yeah, I have, actually. Uh, I've done it with... I never did it with anybody I didn't marry, though. Oh, well, I guess that's good. Well, there was one... Well, there was one... Right after I got divorced the first time, uh, I had a, a female roommate who I had fooled around with who moved in. And, uh, who, you know, I asked her to, if she wanted to rent a bedroom or whatever. And she said, yes, uh, she would, but on the condition that I not... Uh, try to have sex with her, mm-hmm. but I had to kick her out a month. I had to kick her out in a month because she wouldn't have sex with me. Yeah, I can imagine that would be a drag. Um, yeah. Well, the one time that I lived with a woman, uh, I mean, yeah, it was just a. It, you know what was dumb about it is we didn't get along very well, and I guess we kind of had an. I think it was her birthday. Okay, actually, it's funny because it must have been almost like it was April. Her birthday was April eighth. And today's April 9th or 10th. Anyway, so it was April 8th 10th, yeah. of 1994. And 
we'd had some kind of argument and I was feeling guilty because it was her birthday and we went and looked at this apartment that, and she was really keen on us moving in together. And I was like, well, and then I just felt, so I was like, okay, okay. It's a, it was kind of a cool apartment. So I was like, okay, we'll do it. And it was just, it was like a fucking nightmare. It was just turned out to yeah. be like the most hellish experience. Um, so I don't recommend it. Why was it so hellish? Because we didn't get, I didn't like her and we didn't get along very well. And she was kind of like a nasty bitch. And I was like a a little bit crazy. And um, we would just fight all the time. And, uh, And then in order to get away from her, I sort of went to Chicago with this other woman and wound up getting married to her and that also didn't turn out so, i mean well whatever <laughs> <laughs> you know you know when you wake up from waking up from a nightmare into another nightmare um <laughs> right you thought the dream was the nightmare but then the reality yeah. is worse oh no you end up marrying somebody. Yeah, so I think there's an old saying: uh, never, never marry anybody from Chicago. And uh, okay, I, I, uh, I, I live by that. No, I see. I it's funny that you have a story like that because I met a girl on April 9th as well. Oh. I mean, you moved in on a, on her birthday or whatever. It was April 9th, and her birthday was April 10th. She ended up playing a a, a role in my life, so uh, I, uh, for some reason, recall that now that you mentioned. But I don't know what kind of fights you guys had. Maybe they were similar to what uh, Jensen Fury and um, Gabrielle Gottlieb had, because it says the last straw came Wednesday night when Foster came home to the victim's uh, Kips Bay apartment. By the way, Kips Bay apartment, she's doing pretty good. Sure. He came home with his knuckles bleeding from punching a wall. Oh. Ranting, he was overcharged on an $18 tab at Burger King. So that's bad enough, you know, but you... Uh, and then he uh, invoked the name of Adolf Hitler to his Jewish bride-to-be mm. during the ugly tirade. <laughs> and she was like, that's it. it who, did, did Hitler overcharge him at Burger King? I mean, how did he come into it? I don't know. Well, there's not a lot of not a lot of Jewish people working at the Burger King usually. Not usually. Oh, suicidal man tried to shove rain down her throat. Oh, dear. Cops said. I mentioned it was through the opening he made in her throat. (laughs) Uh, An unhinged man allegedly shouted, that's what you get for breaking up with me, and tried to ram a ring down his wife's throat as he fatally stabbed her. Um... It's so weird. Like she was 64 and he's 63, but they clearly like, they both kind of have like this hipster look Mm -hmm. like what the fuck? You're both like basically senior citizens. Why don't you stop trying to pretend like you're young, hip people? Well, they were immature on some level, weren't they? I mean, because like, uh, you know, to, to have like three months later getting married and, and, uh, you know, or moving in rather and, uh, and getting engaged, you know, and, and she's basically taking it astray. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he, and he's like, uh, letting her, you know, um, can you imagine walking into your, especially into somebody's Kips Bay apartment, you know, which is very pretty Pretty I'm going nice. to say it's a pretty nice area of town, uh, yeah, and, and and complaining about your Burger King tab and 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 going Nazi about it. 
Well, and she kind of realized, she's kind of like realizing, oh shit, what the? Like she's definitely marrying way beneath her, right? Like she's, oh yeah, you know, yeah. Like she's she's vaguely, Clearly. she's vaguely fancy in some way, and letting this like like eight time loser, violent nine time nine time loser, this guy who like gets into big arguments at Burger King and like punches walls. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, come into her place. Yeah, you know, and and but that that's probably why she's doing it. You know, she's she's led, led a sheltered, maybe I don't know that it was a sheltered life, but she certainly has a pampered existence that doesn't daily involve interacting with anybody uh, that she needs to be afraid of. And so I, I think she probably had this idea about you know uh, rehabilitation and uh, you know giving people a chance and. And, you know, it, it, whether she believed it in her heart or not, this was that, I, that was probably her intellectual uh, working. Well, th- trust me, this is not the first. This is not the first time in her like forty-five years of um, you know dating misadventures, Manhattan dating. Yeah, that that I'm sure she's had like a, a whole series of like cretinous bad boys. You know who would know is Judy Jackson. Judy Jackson. I mean. I haven't seen Judy Jackson probably since, I don't know, 2000, maybe 2006. Yeah. I don't know that she uh, would remember me. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's fine. You know, it, uh, I'm not saying you should ask her. I'm just oh, saying oh, she would oh, know. Yeah. Oh, she would uh, know everything about uh, her. Judy Jackson uh, yeah, would probably I mean, come like, on your podcast and tell you the whole the whole thing. Well, I, let's see if she will. I, I'll speak to her, and, and, and I'll mention you as uh, a point of contact, but not as uh, so much as a, mut- a mutual friend. Yeah, you could do that. You could Excuse do me that. now, Jackson. She spoke to her right before before her death, shortly before, and she said that, uh, that uh, Gabrielle had taken off her ring and placed it on the finger of a statue of Buddha. Oh. And she's, uh, that might have been the mistake. That See, that that's the mistake. Why is she trying to put her bad karma on Buddha. Buddha's like, Buddha's like, oh, oh, <laughs> you think you're giving this shit to me? How about this? I'm going to give it back to you times three. And and also, you know, yeah, he's probably insulted. Like, what do you think this is? The Catholic Church? I don't want your ring. Wow. Uh, Jackson quoted her friend as saying, I can't have the peace of my home disrupted anymore. I can't do this anymore. Now, how many people have not felt that way? You know, if you've lived with somebody, you've certainly felt as if you didn't have the peace of your home and that it was that it was often disrupted. I mean, that's that's just a fact. Now, to what extent was this all driven by um, the fact that everybody's under quarantine and lockdown? Well, was, I think it was 100% driven by that. It was it was at least accelerated by that, if not driven, yeah. I, I, I could come up with car metaphors, but you get what I'm saying. She uh, invited him to come in, and stay with her during the pandemic, you know. So they were engaged, but I don't think they were living together until the pandemic, until oh, the lockdown. Oh, shit. Okay. Because she, she was trying to make sure that she had, you know, that, that he was, you know, going to stay clean. <laughs> right. Here she says on Facebook, thank you all for the outpouring of love and support. I am currently speaking to a reporter at the Daily News so that the narrative around the story can be controlled. And and they understand the circumstances were not typical domestic violence exacerbated by a quarantine. He had never raised a hand to her, but was an extremely volatile man who lost it when she broke off their engagement. 
I see. Well, maybe. I mean, uh, yeah, I. That's. Uh, it seems like a pretty I, major break for this guy. Just to like, he's never been violent to her before, but then they have a fight, and um, well, what could I say? Well, I mean, like, you know, what, what did she say? It wasn't. It wasn't domestic violence it that was exacerbated by the virus, right? She says she so was she was not in an abusive situation per se. He snapped when she ended the relationship. That sounds like the truth. I knew he was dangerous based on his history and my work experiences. It's like, well, okay. Um, and then she posted. We all knew that a video of um, Joan Baez singing "I Shall Be Released." <laughs> <laughs> Gross. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, well, okay. <clears throat> that is something else. Uh, this guy, by the way, for his part, was taken for a psychiatric evaluation after cops nabbed him, and he's charged with murder, assault, and criminal possession of a weapon. He, he definitely, I mean, it was a breaking point when she, when she called off the engagement. That clearly means, you know, that he's going to have to uh, leave, and uh, that that's... You know what? It's one thing to be in somebody's home and for them to sort of have all the power to, like, you know, let you stay or, or make you go. And then it's another thing to be confronted by that. And I think that the powerlessness in that, uh, you know, like when when she basically just cut his balls off and, uh, you know, was like, no, nah, you're, you're leaving. Uh, that must have got to him. He, you know, he chased her for two blocks before he caught up with her in the wine store and allegedly stabbed her. Now, of course... Now you know if there's one place that you can count on there to be plenty of, you know, sort of big guys around that are going to help you out. It's it's the wine store. Yeah, definitely. Hey, do you know someone named Danny Cohen? I do. He is a mutual friend on Facebook of Judy Jackson. I, I would I, I know him, you know, but I don't know him to to. Uh, well, you're mutual. I, I, I guess I could I could mention him as a mutual Facebook friend. I guess. Yeah, that would work. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Thanks for the info. I'm glad that everybody <laughs> got to hear how we work this out. <laughs> These days, comedians are. I'm surprised there haven't been more comedians losing their shit, and 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 doing some kind of crazy stuff because you know with all the comedy clubs closed. Yeah, you know, there's a whole outlet there that is just severely disrupted. Um, yeah, well, I think I'm surprised that there isn't a lot more just bad stuff happening generally um, with everybody kind of penned into their houses. Nobody can get exercise. Nobody can get away from their from their relatives or their spouses or anything. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Well, I remember you telling me one time that you know and this is part of what a great city this is is that like if you do have some kind of a a problem at home some kind of domestic situation things aren't uncomfortable that that the homeless shelters have to take you whether you're homeless or not yeah so is if, if the wife and I are quarreling I can say I can send her to the homeless shelter and you know she definitely has a place to stay so you know that that knowing that release valve is there it helps it's a great. lot great i've taken advantage of that so many times just put take take my wife down to a cab, uh-huh. put her in the cab, loosen her bond her her um what do you call it her gag, give the uh-huh. cabbie like twenty dollars and tell him to take her to the homeless shelter and it's um 
It's great. Uh, so I guess we'll wrap up in a second, Seth. One more thing about Judy Jackson before we uh, yeah. forget it. And and by the way, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. It, it, I think it's a I think it's a testament to just what not only what a good friend she is. But what a good uh, a citizen she is, mm. you know what I mean? That like in this time of grief, when a lot of people would just be worried about grieving their friend and maybe being a little selfish, she's concerned with with how the story gets manipulated, and she's focusing on the political side of it to make sure that uh, that people don't get the wrong idea, you know, or use the story inappropriately. Yeah, that's kind of weird. She's like, I don't want this to be exploited into this whole narrative about domestic violence. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but, but, it is, but it is domestic violence. Yeah, but it, it really, it, it really, it's really much more than that. He was a total asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you charged him for an extra large fries and only gave him, like, the medium. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, hey, uh, good having you, Seth, uh, and uh, I hope let's uh, let's talk again soon. And always uh, fun, staying healthy over there. Always fun. Okay. Yeah, you, thank, you take care, and thank you for listening to New York City Crime Report.